Hey guys and girls, today we actually have Jeff Cohen. He was actually on Shark Tank a few years back. He just finished writing his book and his book's called Count Honorable. It's very good. He has a totally different perspective than a lot of other people on how to run your business. Uh, it's a really good read. I'm going to read a little bit out of a little bit of a snippet out of his book. Um, as humans, we are reason-making machines. We get triggered, and some of our triggers are questions like, why, how come, what are you doing, where are you, why are you doing that, and all the peripheral inter interpretations of those phrases. We make the questions mean something, usually based on an experience we had early in life. That's important to remember and keep in mind when managing priorities and checking the completion of actions. We waste a lot of time when someone is triggered. When you notice wasted time, get curious. Why is that happening? What can you do in that moment? What can you say to your direct report to diffuse the stream of justifications and reasons you are hearing? You know, you really want to think about all your actions as an entrepreneur and as a leader. And Jeff has a total different outlook on how to do this his book's a good read he's got uh, some chapters are called like grand theft auto it's a really great book either way take a listen to the podcast get to know him enjoy hello and welcome to the show today we have jeff cohen here and i would like to let jeff introduce himself he just finished his first book and it's quite an amazing story. So Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hey, Ben, thanks very much. So for those of you that try and find me, I just wanna let you know, I am the most anonymous person you can find out there. There's about 2 million Jeff Cohen's in the world. And um, so you're gonna to have to use a search term beyond just Jeff Cohen. Uh, I recommend that you put Jeff Cohen and Shark Tank or Jeff Cohen and Count Honorable. Um, and you'll find me because those are two things I've done. Now, if you do the Shark Tank search, you're also going to find other Jeff Cohen's because the, the first season that I was on Shark Tank, I was week number five and week number six was Jeff Cohen. So I just want to let you know that they did, thank goodness, keep us off the same episode. That might have been confusing to people, um, but we were back to back. So who, I, who am I? Like, why does Ben have me here? So I'm an entrepreneur and I have been my whole life. I've started six companies and I've grown businesses very rapidly. I had a software company. I grew from nothing to 50 people in two years. Um, it was kind of like being on a rocket ship. And I've also experienced just like awful failure. Like the depth of which will leave you with a pit in your stomach. Um, because when I had that fast growing business, it was the early 2000s and in 2007, many of you may be remembering the pain that occurred when all of the banks shut down. Like there oh, was yeah. this enormous real estate crisis, right? And, and it killed me because we were working with about a, 100 Fortune 500 and Global 2000 companies up to that time. And at the time <clears throat> that the crisis hit, every single one of them said to me, Jeff, we love you guys. And we're putting things on hold right now. So I learned what the difference was between liquidity and illiquidity. And I declared bankruptcy. And it really was painful. And so coming out of that, like I've been through the school of hard knocks, right? Um, there's, there's more to that story, but who I am is I am a business coach and consultant. And what I do is I'm a speaker and an author now as well. Uh, I've written a book called Count Honorable, a practical guide to lift, shift, and empower you and your team. And I've refined the Count Honorable method and process over the last 20 years, primarily in the last eight, but using some things that we used when I was working with uh, the, the global 2000 Fortune 500 companies. 
in the process. And, um, and now I've written a book that defines what it is, gives you every step of the process. Like you can implement it yourself in your business and shift from a culture where there's a lot of finger pointing because other people are accountable to one where they're pointing at themselves saying, no, you can count on me. I can do this. I'm count onable. Or even better yet, you can't count on me. I won't wash the dishes. You, I am not count onable for that. Because really, Ben, the most important thing that anybody can know is what they cannot count on other people for. That will save you an enormous amount of time, give you the ability to find the right people that you can count on. I was just going to say, I mean, you talk about what happened in 2007, the financial crisis. And some people will look at that and go, you know, it is what it is. Shit happens, right? You know, but the other thing is, is as an entrepreneur, you're going to learn a lot in terms of, uh, you know, what went wrong and how to fix it for future, for like future businesses, right? So instead of having challenges, like, am I right or wrong on that? Because a lot of people won't learn from challenges or mistakes or things that happened in the past, right? Well, you know, everybody learns however they learn. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways people learn. And you're right about the fact that, you know, a lot of people get resigned. You know, the statement, well, it just is what it is. Like, I banned that from my company. I said, listen, you can think that if you do, but there is something we can make and create around a problem. It isn't what it is. It is like there's something going on and you may feel like there's nothing you can do about it, but that doesn't mean that you can't create a vision around how you move forward around you know a roadblock around a pothole we cover those we we land in those all the time and if you just stop and you say okay i guess we're done well then guess what you are done you know sold right but if you know you shared with me ben as we were talking like challenges you experienced when you were starting safe drive solutions like man i'm telling you 90% of the people I know hit a wall with one of those things and shut down. You got one and you kept going. You got two and you kept going. You got three and now you have this business that's flourishing. It's, it's not anything more than really um, being committed and having the wherewithal to be committed. And what happens a lot of the time is People come to the table on a shoestring budget to do something and they hit a wall and the budget is gone. And then they don't know what to do. So, yeah. you know, when I work with clients directly, I make sure that I'm a profit first certified professional. Um, and I use a lot of that knowledge that, that I got in Mike McCallowitz's program to look and make sure that companies are financially healthy. And if they're not, we move them in that direction. Like that's something we make a priority and we, we shift. So there's um, a fund in place for emergencies so that you actually are able to say, oh, no, 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 that dollar, that's a dollar of profit. And you sequester that. <laughs> and then you pay your expenses. But a lot of companies don't do that. What they do is they say, I'm invest, we're profitable, but I'm investing in the business. Right? And I will just tell you, there are some doozies that I've done under I'm investing in the business that destroyed my family, that impacted my relationships with my sons. Like they wouldn't talk to me for two years after I got divorced. Um, and I really 
like I invite people never to take those on and to seek some guidance and coaching if they're thinking about doing things like I'm going to mortgage my house again because my cash flow is needed because my business is growing. Let me tell you, it's a lot easier to get a mortgage and take money out than it is to pay it back, especially if you don't have a safety net. And guess what? If you have the safety net, you'll never have that problem. I lost my house. I got divorced. My kids wouldn't talk to me. All because of the business I was building for them. Yeah, you know, it's real though, right? You can, like, things happen in life. Thing, everything happens for a reason is what some people say. And you're going to be learning from those experiences, developing new new ways of doing business. And look, you've learned from your challenges in your life, right? I mean, like, we're I'm part of a, a certain networking group that I was telling you about. And the one guy says the first 10 years, he made $58,000. That's it. The first 10 years, he made $58,000 over the first 10 years. And he goes, and I can tell you everything of what not to do <laughs> when you start a business now, right? I could tell you everything that went wrong, but there's a lot of people that will look at that going and would have, would have quit that business just because they weren't making any money. He goes, but now I make money. Now I'm doing well, tons of employees. I didn't have any culture, didn't have any vision, didn't have any values for quite a few years, right? But then he started introducing all that in and everything changed very quickly. Yeah, you know, culture, vision, and values are three of the main components in the framework I define in the book, Count Onable. And the framework is called the Trust Alignment Framework. So why do we have a framework called the Trust Alignment Framework? Well, because as you start growing your business and you have other people involved with you, and by the way, that could be vendors. You know, like you talked to me earlier about having a website vendor that went off doing whatever they were doing, came back with crap. Well, all that was missing was there's something around what you wanted and what they were doing and no real method to ensure that that occurred. What the alignment framework is, is um, it basically says that you've got a vision, right? And when you have a vision um, and you're able to prioritize the actions and have effective communication, it's possible but not guaranteed, but it's possible that you're going to have alignment. We're going to talk a lot about effective communication because that's often the gap. Everyone has their own definition. The trust framework says if you have some shared values and you know the ability of your resources, and that's not just people, it could be systems as well, and there's effective communication, it's possible to have trust. There's another level of that that says, what, a, what are you actually trusting someone for or with? We'll get to that. But if you have all of that, then you have the foundation of the trust alignment framework and you're able to take on conversations that are not from a place of the way you feel or your emotion, which by the way, we all do it. I don't care who you are in the world. You've got some little demon in your head talking when someone else is, and you're not talking to people from the outcome you're looking for. You're talking to them from what you want. And the, one of the more valuable, valuable things I think your audience is gonna get in this conversation is this. So I'm going to say that you want to, yeah, lean in and listen carefully to this. You have at one end of the spectrum what you want. At the other end of the spectrum, you have the opportunity to be right. 
I want to let you know, there's no middle ground on this. You are either going to be right when you're talking to someone and they're wrong, or you're going to get what you want. You have a choice. And anybody that wants to have that conversation with me, I am always open to it because it's really just a mindset. And every client I work with and I help them get this, but it takes some time because most of us like me have like a thick skull and they need to hear over and over when they're not getting what they want and they're pissed off at people that work with them or for them, that they have a choice. You can be right or you can get what you want. I'm going to show you how you can get what you want, whether or not you're right. And so that's a very important concept, but it comes out of the concept of you need alignment in your team and you've got to have trust, which is always falling apart. People are always looking for your chink in the armor where they can say, see, I told you I couldn't trust that guy. Well, I was going to say a couple different things here. Uh, one is you remind me what we're talking about here. You reminds me of my negotiation in the purchasing process, right? And occasionally I'll tell a vendor, this is what I want. And they go, that's great. This is what we're offering you. I'm like, okay, how do we get to yes? <laughs> right. And I'll say, okay, what if I order 10 of those? Mm, no. What if I order 20 of those? give tell me what would get to yes and then they'll they'll give me a number like if you ordered 50 of those we might get to that oh okay cool so if i order 25 can we meet in the middle so now i still get something i still get kind of win so basically both parties win they get a big purchase order you know i get a better price but i mean it doesn't always work that way but you know in the past that happens the, the other thing i wanted to talk about was leading by example so when you're talking about trust with your team, right? Like you're talking about trust, right? I'm, I'm just thinking if you're not leading by example, it's going to be very hard for your team to trust you. Well, so that's really great because it's not just your team. It's also your customers, right? And, and here's the thing then that I think you're alluding to is that a lot of people have it that they should be trusted even by family members, just trust me. Look, I have all this history with you, trust me. If I tell you you should try chocolate, trust me, try the chocolate. <laughs> but the reality is, is that's not what happens in the world. Every, even like your children, your spouse, your best friend, everybody goes through something in their head about do they trust this? Do they trust that? Okay, Jeff is saying, I should just trust him and blindly go where no one has gone before. And the only time people do that is when they're in survival mode. I've been there, it sucks. And I don't trust blindly, but when I'm in survival mode, oh my God, I am looking for that silver bullet, the one thing that will fix it all. And guess what? There is no one thing that fixes it all. You've got to work your ass off like Ben described. Like I've worked with 300 clients and they work their tails off and they have success. And if they're not going to have success, I help them identify that they're wasting their time and money and what would be a better use of it. Because let me just tell you, it sucks otherwise. So, you know, we talk about trust, Ben, and here's the deal. You don't earn trust. I can't earn your trust. I have to give you mine. And in giving you my trust, it may open a door for you to give me your trust. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't give a crap about looking good. I mean, I, I, I've already shared with you some of the deepest, most painful things I've, I've had in my life in this last 
few minutes in this conversation. It's going out to anybody that wants to listen to it. Most people won't do that. They want to look good. Like if I tell you all the things I've succeeded at, you're going to get something from it. I promise. But when I tell you, hey, look, I did a really big boner of a failure over here. And I screwed 50 people and their families because I didn't set my company up. Like so that their jobs were secure. That's on me. I own that. I messed up. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's deep, man. It's deep. It, I mean, and I think that's why, I'll be honest, I haven't hired somebody yet. And I don't know what it is. It's not that I'm scared to hire a person, but I know when I have them here, I will feel personally responsible for that person. I'm not scared of growth. I'm not scared of being successful. I'm scared of that personal responsibility. And, you know, that's part of why I guess I'm in these networking groups is just like to get out of that hump, get out of that thinking. Right. And, and so I totally get exactly what you're saying. And I can feel that because when I was running a shop and we had about 15 employees, you know, I felt, you know, there'd be people going like, why are we giving this product away today? I'm like, cause you know what? We have 15 people here to feed and we got to keep the technician busy and we got to keep the sales busy and we need to have cash flow coming in. So I know I don't like discounting product, but if we don't, we're not going to be able to put it food on the table for everybody here. So sometimes, you know, we have to do things that are not, part of our normal way of doing business because we just need to have money coming in. Right. Well, I just want to address something. So I have a whole list of four letter words. They're not all four letters. <laughs> and anything like, for example, I hope, right. Hope is not a powerful word. Okay. You said have to, you don't have to anything. But I want you to look at this. There's an opportunity. And by the way, if you have a sound financial base, like six months of salary in the bank for someone you hire, now you've got a little bit of comfort when you bring them on. That, okay, we're protected for six months. We have two or three months to get them up to speed where they're generating. We have another two or three months to get them to a point where they're profitable and we're okay, right? Like that's an opportunity. What I'm talking about on top of that is, you know, the mindset of, um, of accountability, which by the way, often shows up when people are in survival mode. Ben, you're supposed to do this. You're accountable for this. This is your thing. I'm counting on you, but I have no idea. Is it something you're good at? Is it catered to your strengths? Is it something you like doing? Or um, not. That's accountability. Accountability gets a bad rap. You know, you often hear people say something like, someone is being held to account. Usually you hear it on the news at night, six o'clock comes around, someone's going to jail, politicians getting fired, pick something, right? But the word accountability is never used in a good way. It's always being held accountable. And I don't know about you, but when I'm being held accountable, what it feels like to, more, to me more than anything else is someone is standing there with a gun to my head and I'm being held at gunpoint. That's what it feels like to me. There's no power there. And when you go and you hire your first employee, Ben, and you create an environment where you know what they're good at, what caters to their strengths and what they like doing, that employee will have their dream job. Until you say, hey, by the way, 
can you also wash the dishes? And they hate washing the dishes. They let the sink fill up with dishes before they get to those. You've just created your A employee that you hired. You've created that they're going to start disappointing you from day one. By the way, that goes with customer relationships too. You've hired somebody that's a great customer service person, but now you've asked them to go wash the dishes. It takes something away from their excitement and enthusiasm about this job that they have. Why would you do that? This is like your most important resource. They're dealing with your customers. So it's so important that people get that. What are you getting out of this, Ben? So for me, I when I worked at Best Buy back in the day, they introduced me to a book called Now Discover Your Strengths. Mm-hmm. One of the best books I've ever read. Completely transformed my whole life my whole way of thinking and everything. Now, the majority of people never read the book. Majority of people actually took the book, did the Gallup organization poll, found out what their top five strengths are, and that's it. That, that's where they left it, okay? For me, I read the actual book, and I did the test. So to kind of give you an idea of how I think, the book actually talks about how the majority of people out there in the workforce, I think it's like 80%, if I remember correctly from when I read the book, are in jobs that they're not being utilized to the fullest potential. They're not being utilized for their strengths. Yep. So reading this book, I basically took it and started forming building strength-based cultures. Yep. My number one strength in the book on my thing my my basically my little survey I took was called individualization now some people when you hear that are thinking oh so you're an individual no it's actually nothing to do with that at all what it has to do with is that I understand everybody is different and unique in their own way and there's different ways to basically trigger them or push them forward right so which is which is really good right different ways to motivate them and push their little right so for me, I really embrace that, right? Strategic was another one of my top five, right? These are all things that I've used to form myself, to push myself mm-hmm. forward. And I really love that book. And I always encourage everybody, if they've never read the book or never taken, I think it's called Strength Finder 2.0 now. It is. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I took it. My mom took it. My dad took it. And you'll actually be blown away by this. So my all top right. five... Go ahead. Let's hear my the top mom five. had three of my top five and my dad had two of my top five, my top five. So anybody who says that their parents didn't form them, take the test and find out, because if well, you look at it, how is it that my top five are the same as my parents? Well, I just want to let you know, I've been using <laughs> the strengths finder program since the early two thousands. And um, in my company, when we grew so quickly, I wanted to make sure people were aligned, but also managed properly. So we actually used the DISC profile to determine who the right manager in the company was before we went through a full interview process. And then we also used the strengths finder to make sure our teams were well-rounded. Now, my top five, because I use it extensively, are I'm a futurist. I'm a strategist. I have a strong belief system. Uh, they have something called Woo, which is winning others over. Oh, yeah, Woo. Yeah, Woo is right? in there. And communication. Those are my top five. Now, number 34. This is really important because there's 34 strengths. So the one that's at the bottom of my list is adaptability. Okay, now this is how that one gets me. Ben, we have an appointment at seven o'clock. I am here. I will be on time. Come hell or high water. You write me back and you change that appointment. That throws me off. It takes me something to recover from that. Once I have that something is set, it's set. Like I'm committed. Now that works with belief because I have a strong belief system. I get committed to things. But then I have a really hard time adapting to change. I'm not the only one. But the point is, is that 
when you learn how to leverage those strengths, it makes an enormous difference in how you align your team, um, grow your business, build your um, trust between people. And like, it's huge. So, you know, I'm always all over that. And it goes to how do you have employees that treat your customers like gold? Yeah, this is, it's a very powerful book. Uh, and I'll be honest, one of my top five was significance. And some people looked at, at that as being early on. I looked at it as a good thing, but I also looked at it as a bad thing because a lot of times it meant people had to tell you, you were doing a good job. So th that was part of it. Right. So I was always looking for someone to tell me, great job, great job, great job. And as I moved up the ranks into management, you know, once you get to the top, you don't really get told you're doing a good job anymore. So, so a lot of people will kind of get stumped and think, well, what the heck? Now I'm not being told to do a good job. So I had to take and re reapply that. And what I had to start realizing is when my employees were doing a great job as a result of like my training or my leadership, I had to basically tell myself that I was doing a good job. And I had to tell myself, right? Because now I'm at the top where basically shit rolls downhill, <laughs> which basically means the owner's going to tell me, it ain't doing so well. Or, hey, Ben, I just want to disagree with you 100%. <laughs> like, our view of this is 180 degrees at the opposite end of the spectrum. I don't think anyone ever um, wants to be in a position where they have to acknowledge what they've done for themselves like that's the only way they get acknowledgement by creating that they're getting acknowledgement. Only why I'm not there anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, listen, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, there's two things that come out of what you just said. One is you want to, um, first off, it's okay to ask for acknowledgement from people. It's perfectly okay to say to an employee, hey, can you acknowledge that this worked for you to me? Like, can you tell me how that actually went? Again, effective communication, right? You know, most people, I'm going to give you a short story on effective communication. Because I think this is really the crux of, of everything we're talking about. And it's not a business story because guess what? If you get this concept in life, you will have fewer arguments with your spouse you will have better relationships with your children or you will, like I do now, have a relationship with my children. A few weeks ago, my wife and I went to visit some friends and they have a seven-year-old daughter. Um, my wife and I have a one-year-old um, that we're in the foster to adopt program with and she is just the most precious little girl. And so the two women went out for an event and my friend and I took the kids in a wagon out to dinner and to frozen yogurt. Went great. We're on the way from dinner to frozen yogurt in the wagon. I'm talking with my friend as he's pulling the wagon. I turn my head back and I see my one-year-old standing up in a moving wagon, holding the side like with tears in her eyes in fear. And my heart stopped and I had my friend stop. And I went over and I picked her up and I comforted her. And I looked at the seven-year-old and I said, hey, did you notice that she was standing up? And she said to me, yeah, I told you. I said, oh, I said, wow, I didn't hear you. I wonder if you could do me a favor if that happens again. Could you make sure that I answer you back, that I heard you? She said, like many of us do, got it. Went down to her video game and started playing again. 
I didn't know she got it. Normally, most people just let it go from there. But that would not have been effective communication. So what I said to her is, hey, honey, I'm just curious. What did you get? Now, she sat there for 15 seconds with her head down. And my friend, bless his soul, was so patient when I did this. Didn't say anything. But it took her 15 seconds to process that question. Or better yet, the answer. Then she lifted her head up and she said, you want to make sure that that I know that you heard what I said. I said, yes, thank you, I'm so grateful. Then right back down to her video game. Now, we all have things we do that are multitasking. In fact, you're probably listening to this podcast and email at the same time, right? You're surfing the web, you're driving, whatever it is. How do you know you've actually gotten it? How do you know someone else really got it? You don't until they repeat it back to you with conviction of what you shared. And if you get nothing else from this conversation or from my book, get that there's a way to have a respectful, effective conversation whether there's something good happening or not. Because you want to be straight with people, not in a mean way. Like I totally could have been mean to that seven-year-old. I totally could have said to her, hey, that's not okay. Like I could, like there's a lot of things that went through me. I had emotions. Like I'm watching my one-year-old stand in the wagon. It's dangerous for her, right? Oh, yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying, because a lot of times our four-year-old, she does this whole, I know, I know. We go, what do you know? Right? I know. <laughs> and then she does know. it again the next day. They're like, what, what do you mean you know? <laughs> right, right. But Right. And there's a certain way to have that conversation, which, by the way, inside my book, um. I outline in detail the process of how to have that conversation step by step. And I know we're coming to the end over here, Ben. So I just want to give a little bit of insight about what the book Count Onable is. So people can get that, even though this conversation, which has been really fun, thank you, um, is, is important. The book Count Onable takes the notion of accountability and turns it on its side. Not only are there only four letters that change to go from being account an accountable culture to being account honorable culture, but there's a very easy way to consume the book. Chapter one in the book will tell you something that will change your life. I found my very first trigger in life as a young boy. The chapter is called Grand Theft Auto. And you can come to my website, countonable.com, and download that chapter so that you get a flavor of the book. And if you, um, if you have a chance to do that, I really invite you to. I think you're going to love it. But also, every chapter in the book is somewhere between three and four pages long. So I wrote it for people like me that have ADD and I'm always looking at something else. Like you can actually sit down with it for five minutes and consume a chapter. It's an easy read, but it's a process that I'm patenting for companies to use, organizations to use, and I'm open sourcing it and making it available for anybody to do themselves. And if you find it interesting and you wanna learn more or you want some support in moving from a culture that has, I'm gonna say the restrictedness of being accountable to one that creates an environment where you're creating leaders that create leaders and gives you the ability to have some freedom in your business and a vacation 
where you're not working two to four hours a day and sell your company someday without a five-year earnout, like where someone just says, here's a million dollars and you walk away. Like if you want that in your life, read the book. It's the best investment in time that you will ever make because you'll actually start seeing how having a culture where people are empowered to do what they love, love what they do, will make an enormous difference for you. More importantly, your customers will love you. Better yet, you won't have to replace employees because they've outgrown the job they've been doing because it's always a job they love and you know, because there's a regular meeting schedule in the book that walks you through how you know. It tells you, you have this meeting at this interval. This is what you talk about. This is how you do it. And all of the assets for that are at countonable.com. You can just go there and download it all. And I really invite you to do that. It's all free as is the first chapter of the book. And when the book comes out, if you need any support looking at how you can be count onable, we're gonna have several options for how you can participate with a group or get some one-on-one -on -one help. Like we're happy to do that for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's gold. I mean, realistically, um... <laughs> I was going to say something about how um, typically if you talk to your employees or team members, right, typically most of them are going to stick around for long term if there's open, effective communication, right? And, but like a lot of times when people leave, it's because they're not having proper communication, they're not clear on their jobs, they're not clear on multiple things, right? Am I kind of hitting the nail on the head of what you're Well, you just struck about? a nerve. There's a chapter in the book about one of my clients. Um, I love this guy. When I started with him a couple of years ago, he was, I would say, kind of toxic. Like he had to be right. If it wasn't his idea, it wasn't good. And by the way, he took that to his customers. Like he would fire customers all the time because he had it. They were wrong and he was right. It was so important for him to be right. He wasn't getting what he wanted. So I got him to start understanding this concept of talking to them from what outcome he wants. And suddenly one day he says to me, Jeff, you're not going to believe it. I'm like, what? I was about to yell at a customer and I realized I still wanted them as a customer. <laughs> so I stopped myself. <laughs> I actually thought you were going to say something different there, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> but here's the thing is that it's the, it's back to, you can be right or you can get what you want. It's really as simple as that. And when you get to where you want to just get what you want and you're able to give up the notion that you have to be right, that that transformation in your, in your mental state, it's not just in your business. It's in your life. You will not argue as much with other people. You will have closer relationships with the people in your world. Every time I work on my mindset for my business, the best, biggest value I ever get is in my personal life. Because you know why I'm doing business? Because I want my, my loved ones to have a great me and a great life. And that doesn't happen when I'm so high strung that I have to be right. I don't have to be right. I just have to get what I want. And it's okay to let other people be right if it gets them to the path of what I think I would like in my life. 
And that's not manipulation. It's management. I'm managing my spirit. That's all I'm doing. Awesome. Do you have any final words or anything or words of wisdom, encouragement? Um, so there are a lot of things that I could continue with. And, and Ben, I just <laughs> want to thank you. Um, first off, I would like to invite everyone to come visit the Count Honorable website. I didn't I would love to invite you to join me in helping this book be a number one bestseller and be part of the movement that shifts the mindset of the world from being accountable to being count honorable. You come to the website, there's some special things I have for you if you wanna play that game with me. By the way, call it a game, because I now have it that everything I do really, I want it to be fun because if it's not fun, why do it? So it's a game. So come play that game with me. Come to the website, get all the stuff I'm giving away. Reach out to me if you want to have a conversation, if I can make a difference in your company. And, or someone on my team will, will have that conversation with you. And, you know, I'll just leave you with this. Stop being accountable. Be count honorable. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at the website here while we're talking, and and uh, it's it's a very professionally made website. I would definitely take a look at it. Looks like there's lots of little content, videos. So pick up the book. Where can they get the book? Can they get the book from from Amazon? Can they get the book from your website? So here's a special offer. I don't know when we're going to air this. Um, today is May 20th. June 14th is the release date of the book. It's a Tuesday. Now, um, if this show airs before that, and you would like to help me launch the book, I'm playing a game. Again, this thing with games, right? Um, that I have hundreds of people leave um, leave reviews on the Amazon website when the book becomes available. So when you get this, if it's before June 14th, go to the website, send me a note that says, I want to review the book. And I'll send you a free copy of the book if you'll commit to buying it on Amazon when we launch for the pennies that we're going to charge with a special promotion and leaving your review. Um, if, if this airs after June 14th, I love you. I'm sorry you missed out on that. Take advantage <laughs> of this special promotion. It's going to be for a very limited time. Um, and again, you know, feel free to come to the website. We'll have links to all of the assets in the book. Uh, we'll give you the ability to set up um, a call with me or someone on my team to learn more about how you can have account honorable culture in your business. If you are looking for a speaker for your event, I love doing that. There's nothing more fun than helping people understand the gap that exists in that chasm between accountability and being count honorable. So I'd love to help you there. Um, and, and Ben, I just really wanna acknowledge you. Like this has really been a fun conversation today. You have been through an enormous amount of, you know, I'm gonna say peaks and valleys in what you do. <laughs> and hearing your stories really warms my heart because, you know, I just wanna let you know, like none of us is in this alone and we all grow. I, I took away from your stories that what I can count on you for is like, when you say you're going to do something, not only do you do it, but you do it with grace and with style and you give people the feeling like they're number one because they really are for you. So that was my experience for, for you to know about today. And when I tell you, you can always ask for an acknowledgement. You can always ask me, I will always acknowledge the great things that you've done. Oh, it was 
actually it was great having you on that i don't have a lot of people that have really read now discover your strengths or build like i'll have people say they build strengths-based organizations but i always ask them have you read now discover your strengths and to me that was such an impactful book on my life and when that's why i asked the question is there i didn't ask the question to you but um i always ask uh typically is there one book that has impacted your life and that book is the book that impacted my life more than any other book I've ever read. That book has impacted my life. Right. Cause that even like when I had my wife read it and take her five strengths, you know, it's me getting a better understanding, right? Like empathy is one of her top five. Right. And she's yeah. very empathetic with people. I'm not so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but it's not that I'm not, it's just not as much as her. Well, it's right? not so, in your top five. It might be number sure. six and number 12, but <laughs> yeah. it's just not top five. It's all good. And listen, Ben, I, I just want to say, um, you know, first off, this has been super fun. Um, you know, after the book launch, somewhere down the road there, I would love to come back and talk to you guys again, um, just because this has been a blast. And anything that I can do to help you or any of your listeners I'm a resource. Please use me. Well, yeah, I'd like to, I'll read that book. We can maybe have you on again so we can hatch out the book. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> great. I love it. Awesome. Thanks a lot for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you uh, so much, Ben. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at SafeDriveSolutions on Instagram or www.SafeDriveSolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.